but I think for two reasons. One, one, and, and, and that goes for myself as well. I think you want to 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 sort of leave a better world behind you than you inherited from from your parents. Um, and I think you want to give something even better to to our children than, than you you got yourself. And, and secondly, the same goes for the company. I think at least I feel that I want to leave something stronger to my next generation of, of, of leaders coming in to take over the the, the steering and, and the helm of, of Scania. Uh, and, and I want to make sure that I can look my children, my two, two young daughters in their eye and say that I, I, I did my best. Uh, when I'm sitting at 20 years from now, retired and tired, that that they uh, that I can look them and I say, I, I tried uh, and I took my responsibility. You are listening to the Real Leaders Podcast, where leaders keep it real. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that was Henrik Henriksen, the CEO of Scania and co-author of Sustainability a Swedish approach to transforming your company, your industry, and the world, who leaves this show better than he found it. In today's episode, Henriksen shares how to bake in the secret Swedish sauce into your company, the importance of connecting all five stakeholders together, and why now is the time to make a change. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to the real Henrik Henriksen. Enjoy. That being said, let's get this show on the road here. Here we go. In five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone, to this episode of The Real Ears Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today is Henrik Henriksen, the co-author of Sustainability Leadership, a Swedish approach to transforming your company, your industry, and the world, and also the CEO of Scania. Henrik, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. So I was practicing my Swedish for you today, Henrik. I say, gratis till dania book. Which means, which means what? Congratulations. Yeah, fantastic book. Congratulations to a fantastic Congratulations. book, I think. Yeah. Hey, we're yeah. trying, we're trying. I also got uh, Et Glas Ron Van Tak. Et Glas Rod Van Tak. Et Glas. Yeah, a glass or something. Yeah. I don't know what you want to drink, Swedish. but yeah. a glass or something. Yeah. So it looks like my <laughs> Swedish uh, language needs to improve a little bit. And so does my bit, understanding yeah. of sustainability, Henrik. So, First mm-hmm. question here today is, tell us about this book and what the Swedish approach means to you. Yeah, so, so this book, uh, Elaine and myself, we wrote based on that we believe that there is something special in the way that uh, Swedish companies are approaching uh, the subject of sustainability. Uh, we believe that it's something goes back to our roots, um, to something about the Swedishness or, or the Scandinavian uh, touch, uh, where we have a long-term view on on uh, society. We we also have uh, a mean of planning a lot because of I think our dark uh, uh, seasons that we have. So we need to sort of uh, plan ahead, uh, but also that um, maybe we have um, we have enjoyed a, a good life for, for many generations now. And we have the possibility to to think sort of higher up on the the Maslow's uh, journey, and and uh, we we can for for example take a lot of the social security and and society and 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 uh, peace and and uh, yeah prosperousness for 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 granted, and and based on that maybe we have 
given us the freedom to think a little bit longer also when it comes to sustainability. So a number of features that are coming through in the Swedishness that uh, we think also come through from the society into the corporate life. And those we have uh, tried to describe in this book. Um, so it's about how you build in sustainability sort of in the core of the company, uh, not seeing it as a campaign, not seeing sustainability as a project, but uh, but seeing it actually as a, a way to create a much stronger and, and uh, long-term resilient company. Uh, and it starts by actually you, you you need to find a true purpose uh, of a company and connect that purpose to um, a number of key stakeholders. And usually you talk about uh, the, the customer, you talk about the, the, the investors, and you talk about your, your employees and, and, and uh, the people in your company. But we believe that you need to add more stakeholders, like the planet, like the society. And we see that that is what many Swedish companies have done uh, when, when they have embraced the purpose that is not only about generating profit, but is also to give something back to society. And this might sound like a, a social de- democracy, like, like we have in Sweden, but it, it is uh, that combined with capitalism, uh, we will say, so that we we believe that we're doing this because, of course, we want to make good for the uh, for the planet and we want to take our responsibility as a social citizen, as a company. But we also believe that sustainability and profitability goes hand in hand. Um, and and uh, that's why this is a journey that is is not about sort of nice to have to, to transform your company to be more sustainable. It is about actually building a more resilient company and then staying relevant uh, for, for, the, for the next generations of, of, uh, uh, of, of uh, both customers, but also of, of leaders in the company to, uh, to be successful. So, um, yes, there is, uh, there is this uh, secret Swedish sauce that I think uh, uh, Elaine will tell you more about when she comes on. Uh, but uh, we have found that there is traits in, in the Swedish heritage uh, that is transformed from the society into the companies. And, and that is used as, as an advantage. Uh, and, and that needs to be built into the core of the company. So it's very much also to work with um, the values that you have in your company and try to find something uh, that resonates with with the people in the company because you need to get everyone on board and and to make it a little bit more tangible. If I take the example of Scania, then we we are a company that's uh, operating in hundred countries around the world, um, uh, fifty thousand employees. Uh, we've been around for many decades, 130 years old. Um, so, um, but for us, then uh, our purpose, uh, we belong to an industry then producing trucks and buses, uh, and and transport represents 20% of the global CO2 emissions uh, globally. So, so, so we being part of the ecosystem of transport and logistics, we, we are part of the problem. We are creating the problem, but we want to be part of the solution. So, so our purpose is to drive the shift towards more sustainable transport systems and solutions. And and uh, that purpose, we, we have made sure that it fits to all these stakeholders that I was into before, the customers, the employees, the investors, but also the planet and society. But we also made sure that it builds on, on the, the values of, of our company. And we have core values that go back uh, 30, 40 years that is mm-hmm. built very much on the lean principles. And, and there, I think we have found sort of the roots of, of building sustainability. We connect it to something that people recognize. And, and if you do that, suddenly you have 
you don't have to push um, 50,000 people uh, uh, ahead of you. You actually have more or less have to sort of hold back all the energy that's coming through in uh, in, in the company when, when people start to embrace and understand how sustainability fits to, to the values of the company, but also how it fits to, to the strategy. See, Henrik, that's why I thought you were such a unique guest to have on this show. Scani, I think you said in the book, 1.2 million vehicles in 20 countries. Uh, You contribute 1% of the global CO2 commissions. It's not a good feeling to have. When you're going through your values and trying to go through this blueprint that you have now created and are influencing throughout your value chain, where did that start? What questions did you ask yourselves and your sales team to come up with a strategy to incorporate a more sustainable future and drive that shift? Yeah, no, but I think you, you're right. We, we found a lot of energy and, and uh, um, drive by, by actually acknowledging that, that uh, gee, 1%, 1% of all the global CO2 comes from, from our vehicles. I mean, we better shape up. And, and I think that sense of urgency created a willingness to, to be to creating a solution. And, and I think one of the first things we did was, of course, to try to clean up uh, in front of our own staircase and sort of make sure that we are uh, doing things um, Right, uh, that that our CO two footprint in our factories and our supply chain in, in all our sourcing our transport everything there needs to of course to be so that we can walk the talk in a way. Then we, we needed to look at our products and services uh, and and make sure that we turn those uh, solutions into becoming more sustainable. So we started working with transforming all our vehicles to run on renewable biofuels. Uh, that is the quickest way, biodiesel, biogas, bioethanol that you can put into the rolling fleet of these 1.2 million vehicles, mm. immediate effect, but also start to develop then hybrid vehicles, electrical vehicles, fuel cell vehicles uh, that is coming into the market now as we speak. So, so, But then, of course, you're so right when it comes to the sales side. That What I experienced is that, I mean, you can have this fantastic plan and strategy about turning your company to be sustainable. If it's not coming through in sales, no one will take you seriously. Mm. Uh, no one in your own organization, the, the people that are building these people, the people that are selling it, the people that are developing it, I mean, they need to see that it actually comes through in the income statement. Otherwise, it's just the marketing campaign, greenwash. Mm. And and I think that's where uh, we, we really try to sort of work uh, with our customers to create a, a pool. And that was not that easy because you mean, most of our customers are small mama papa business. They run transport companies. Maybe they have one truck, five trucks, 10 trucks um in 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 the world and and uh, uh we realize that they do not sit on the key to actually transform the transport system to become more sustainable even if we offer these beautiful vehicles that can run on these renewable fuels or on a renewable electricity uh, they don't have any pull from their customers. So we needed to approach actually our customer's customer. And I have spent in my role as the CEO the last five, six years, more time with my customer's customer. They don't buy a single truck from us. They don't buy a bus from us, but they design the logistical system and, and get them to understand that if you change the way you demand transport to be done, uh, 
even better that you put it on train. If, if the train is more sustainable, fine, we're happy with that. But you need to start thinking about how do you decarbonize your logistical system? And in most industries, paper and pulp, steel production, fast movement consumer goods, roughly 30% of the CO2 emission for those companies comes from, from, from transport and logistics. So it's a big uh, sort of piece that you can address. As Connie, we don't have a uh, sustainability strategy. Uh, instead, we have a sustainable strategy. We have one strategy for the whole company where we have embedded uh, sustainability in everything we do, in our sourcing, in our production, in our R&D development, in our sales activity, in our service activity, so across the, the whole company. Um, and I think that is a success uh, recommendation that I would do to, to any other CEO. Uh, don't see this as something you put on top or besides the rest of your strategy. Build it in, integrate it into the core, uh, create it sort of like the, the foundation. That is the way that you, you you start to transform your company. And that point about going, you know, solving solutions for the customer's customer. I thought that was really interesting. And in the book, you talked about we can't do these incremental steps. We have to take mm. a big leap. You know, Correct. explain to our audience what you mean by that by solving the problems of the customer of the future. Yeah, um, no, but I think when, when it comes to the book, it's basically three parts of it. One is to get the basics right. I mean, to do all, all so it's sort of make sure that you can walk the talk. You, you, you transform your operation to be sustainable, your products and services. You build it into the sales, you build it into the development, you put it into reporting. Second part you do is that you, you, you make sure that you get everyone on board to, to, to accelerate this journey. And, and then you, uh, you, you build it into the core uh, and you're trying to not only change your own company, but also change your industry. The final leap comes when you as a leader also take a, a bigger responsibility and you use your influencing platform as a leader uh, and you use your, your, your company as a platform to actually create change across different industry sectors. So, so in our case, that would be that... Um, I am working a lot with with other companies from completely different sectors that that have nothing to do with with my industry. They're not my customers. They're not my suppliers. They're not part of my sort of vertical, right. so to say. But I rather work with companies that are cross sector from from other industries, and and that way, I think you you start to create a, a leap forward in in moving away from this ambition of changing your company, which with all the respect, it's a magnificent task in itself. It, it takes many, many years to do it, but then move to try to change your industry. And, and if you want to change your industry, I believe at least the best is to work cross-sector. So we are working with companies like Siemens, Eon, uh, H&M, Ericsson, companies that are sort of coming from different industry sectors. And there we're trying to find common sort of um, streams where we can uh, do changes together. Um, often logistics is one of them, uh, but it could also be connectivity around 5G. Uh, it could be around uh, sort of responsible sourcing. Uh, and if you start working then in these different other industry sectors, uh, you, you tend to, to learn more and, and you create what we call in the book then unexpected alliances where, where you uh, you have actually more power to, to create change than you have in your own industry vertical. I can just talk from my own industry. Um, I mean, if I go to the association of, of heavy commercial vehicle producers, 
I mean, come on, that's that's the group of the smallest common denominator. You get nothing done. You get nothing done because it, it's it's just. I mean, it's your competitor. But if you start working across your sector, then then things start happening. How are you all collaborating and communicating? Is it just set up, setting up Zoom calls? Is it conferences? Is it just networking? How does how do you build bridges cross sector? Yeah, uh, I mean, in the past we have used, of course, for physical meetings to 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 get together, and I think it has to start on on the CEO level to 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 sort of get the right commitment and and the buy-in uh, and the right priority. And so, but but once you have done that first physical meeting, at least we have now during the last uh, uh, last nine ten months been been forced to use them uh, Zoom or or Teams or or other types of tools to to communicate and. I have to be honest, I think you lose a little bit of creativity. You lose a little bit of, of, of sort of that, that, that sense of feeling. And especially if you want to try to try to create, be innovative together, it's, it's a little bit harder. Uh, and I think also, especially if you haven't met in person, it gets a little bit more difficult. Mm. We were lucky with a, with a book that we had an opportunity to meet uh, all people in, in person and, and, and interview them. And, and uh, there is, okay, of course, in the book, there is uh, around 12, 12, 13 different companies that are interviewed and, and used as, as cases um, to create sort of uh, good examples and, and good examples of both leadership and, and leaders doing it, but also companies who, who have sort of, um, uh, yeah, found, found that uh, magical sort of uh, formula or that magic source. Henrik, uh, you started the show off talking about this, you know, stakeholder approach. We all know yeah. in 1970, Milton Friedman comes out with a social responsibility of businesses to maximize profits, uh, an approach yeah. at the time with the knowledge he had. Now it's maybe re- being redefined. How can we optimize capitalism to also, you know, also for social or environmental initiatives? Are business owners and CEOs that you know nowadays increasingly accepting this ultimatum of we if we don't take into consideration our environment now, we may not be able to you know, survive or have the businesses we want in the future due to patchworks like you know policies that would just crumble economics. Mm. What are you hearing from the business owners? What's the conversation has been like? Nobody's happening now. It's happening now, Kevin. I mean, it is. I mean, and, and I think that's why we wrote the book as well, because we felt that there were so many good examples in Scandinavia that we wanted to share from different industries and sort of like and, and, and give a little bit of a handbook on how you can get started. But once we sort of reach out to other parts of the world, we see it now popping up everywhere. And, and there is a lot of initiatives. And I think it comes from a, a, a firm commitment to the Paris Agreement. Um, and and the role that corporates has to play in in that, um, I learned recently that out of um, the hundred biggest entities in the world, which includes countries as well, uh, sixty nine of them are companies. So so I mean we have a great responsibility as as uh, the corporate world to actually um, move this, and and uh, I think that has been realized because I mean uh, leaders of companies are also people; they are also human, and and they see what's happening to the planet and and stand behind this commitment from Paris. But I think for two reasons: one, one, and and that goes for myself as well. I think you want to 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 sort of leave a better world behind you than you inherited from from your parents um, and i think do you want to give something even better to to our children than than you you got yourself and and secondly the same goes for the company i think at least i feel i want to 
leave something stronger to my next generation of, of, of leaders coming in to take over the, the, the steering and, and the helm of, of Scania. Uh, and, and I want to make sure that I can look my children, my two, two young daughters in their eye and say that I, I, I did my best. Uh, when I'm sitting at 20 years from now, retired and tired, that, that, they, uh, that I can look them and I say, I, I tried uh, and I took my responsibility. So I think these two driving forces we see coming through in the interviews as well. People want to take responsibility uh, and, and we, we can step up the game. And it's happening now. It's happening. It's definitely happening. We've had a lot of progress. There's more capital and philanthropic capital now than there ever has been. But yet the goals are like a moving goalpost. It keeps moving back and back and back. We need to take swift and immediate action now. How has COVID maybe accelerated this in terms of your collaboration and the urgency Mm. around change? Good question, because I think you're right. There has... I think it's created a sense of urgency that that um, I think uh, that we are pushing the planet. We are pushing the planet on many boundaries, mm-hmm. and and uh, and, and uh, I think the climate, of course, is one. Uh, but there's so many planetary boundaries that are stretched now, and and I think one of them is is of course biodiversity, and and you can see connection between the biodiversity that we have hampered, and 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 then sort of like these. Um, uh, pandemics coming up and, and um, so I think this is a wake-up call uh, for, for the for the world and, and that we only have one planet and we we, we, we we are all part of the same sort of uh, world and the same ecosystem at the at the end so I think that I see that is accelerating the willingness from policymakers politicians to, to step up the game and and, and uh, put money on the table uh, to take away hurdles that are sort of uh, uh, stopping development for for more sustainable world but also putting tougher demands on companies like us that that uh, shape up, uh, get to grips, get started, um, and and I also see that uh, the movement among people, the general public, uh, society is is uh, is up to here. I mean, now it's time to to do something, um, and and I think that the corporates are responding. So. Yes, it's been an accelerator. Uh, COVID has been an accelerator in a good way, and I think uh, when we restart the wheels now to spin. In 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 uh, in society or in in the corporate world, um, we we have to start it in a different way. We have to restart the world in a sustainable way, and I think there is uh, alignment when it comes to that between policymakers, between corporate life, and between society. Um, so so uh, it's a golden chance we have now, and and uh, let's take that chance. Let's take that chance. So let's maybe help visualize for our audience uh, what Scania is doing right now taking this immediate action. What do you like about these biofuels and how do you see the future of transportation changing? Yeah. So, I mean, we, 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 I get sick and tired of my colleagues and, and, and uh, sort of industry experts talking about that sort of perfect technical solution that might come five, 10 years from now. I don't care. What, what can we do here and now today in 2020, the last days of the year? And, and then it is, yes, work with uh, sustainably produced biofuels from residuals, from, from the forestry, from the farming, from the society, from our households, from sewage. Use that. We can run our vehicles on that. Just give us that energy. We can run it. Um, that is something that we can work with here and now. Then electrification with our 
coming in now in all countries around the world. Uh, the battery cost is coming down. It's starting to make sense for our customers to invest in that, but they need somewhere to charge. So we need to upgrade the basic grid to make sure that we have enough power for these big trucks and buses when they come in and into short. So, so we need policymakers to take a couple of decisions to upgrade the grid, but that's easy done. And and then let's see. Uh, I mean, I believe truly that that, that electrification can work in, in in most of the cases where we use vehicles. But then parallel to that, we need to run our so-called combustion engines, but we don't need to put in fossil diesel or fossil fuel in it. Let's use that renewable fuels. And then maybe in the future, hydrogen may come in. Uh, there might be other industries that are willing to pay more than transport. Maybe the guys that are producing steel that I want to buy for my trucks that are CO2 free or, or cement or, or concrete. So um, I think that um, now that that is the journey the coming five years, I would say. And then, then as we go along, new technology will come. But please, please, let's focus on what works today. And let's not wait for that silver bullet because it's never going to come. There's always going to be something new. So, so uh, and, and then, of course, there is other tools that we can work with to, to make uh, transport more efficient. And, and, and uh, of course, the... Um, the digitalization is an extremely powerful tool. Uh, the average truck in Europe, we, we know we have all our trucks that we have delivered since 2011. People might not believe this, but they are all connected. They're sending information every minute where they are, how much they're loaded, who's driving, what they're carrying. From those, we can see uh, that the average truck in, in Europe, for example, uh, is loaded by 60%. And that's the world's most efficient transport system in the world, Europe, uh, at the moment. Six percent. If we can, if we can take that free space and and use that so that every truck is loaded a hundred percent every time, either by weight or volume, that's forty percent waste. I mean, that's a dramatic uh, improvement on CO two emissions as well. So, so it's not only to work with a vehicle powertrain, but it's also work with digitalization, and and that is possible now. With this real-time data, with all the vehicles connected, uh, we don't even need 5G. It's it's working today with 3G and so on. So uh, those are the opportunities that we have. Uh, and and um, I think that way, uh, and that's why we are committed as a company, we will reduce our CO2 emission with 50% every decade. Uh, we have signed up on so-called science-based targets. But we have also made a proper scientific study uh, that is showing that we can decarbonize the global global uh, transport system by 2050, most probably already by 2040. Uh, so, so, so that we believe there is a possibility, uh, and and uh, but it's also a possibility for us to 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 do it in a profitable way for all stakeholders: the one that wants transport, the ones to provide it, and and for us as a uh, provider of equipment and, and technology as well. So if the constraint you're running into for electricity would be, let's say, rebuilding the grid, right? Because any electricity I'm using in my house right now is probably powered by coal somewhere uh, close by. So are you, by this stakeholder approach, and when you run into that constraint, are you investing in collaborating and working with companies to build out that grid with politicians? Is that what you mean kind of by reaching out yeah. and, and okay following that constraint correct that's exactly so so this unexpected alliances or work cross sector for example one of them is correct like the internet is electrification how do we team up with the guys that are producing a renewable uh, sort of energy wind solar hydro um, and how do we make sure that that power comes into the grid and goes to 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 our customers if we use coal-powered electricity 
<laughs> we might as well continue with the fossil diesel. Uh, and the same goes if, if we, of course, use um, hydrogen that is produced by by uh, sort of uh, fossil fuel. So, so yes, we need to transform the production of electricity to be renewable. And I think it's happening all over the world. Um, and we need to encourage that. And, and then we need to make sure that we have the grid that is strong enough so that when you want to plug in uh, and charge that truck, you have enough juice, so to say, in the system. And, and, um, uh, and if you don't have that, we need to come up with other ideas. I mean, what we do now, the first electrical trucks that we are currently rolling out to our customers, they are used in regional transport uh, around cities and between cities, up to 250 kilometers on, on, on one charge. Um, if, if they cannot have the grid uh, where they have their depot, we provide them with a big container full of batteries. And then that stands and, and, and ticks uh, during the day and charge slowly from the grid. Uh, and then when a truck comes home during the night, then, then poof bang into the, to the truck from, from this big container. So there are different wow. solutions that you can do uh, meanwhile while, while you're waiting. But we need, the, we need a grid and we need the production of renewable electricity. So if the message is today, <clears throat> start today. In chapter seven here, you kind of roll out a couple different steps you can do by providing an, an initial sustainable offering. And then that kind of going to your sales team and then going out and selling it. What advice would you give to business owners listening to this that had that mindset of I'll wait five to 10 years for something, some genius to come along and solve all my issues. No, but it would be that. I mean, that uh, you have to start this transformation now. Uh, and it doesn't have to be that you are sort of like uh, a member of Greenpeace or you sort of like uh, hugging trees on your sort of weekends. I mean, it doesn't have to do, it's, it's, all about if you want to build a successful business and, and you want to stay relevant, you, you need to start transforming your company to be truly sustainable because otherwise you, you will soon come to a tipping point. It doesn't matter if you produce clothes or trucks or, or, or furniture or, or whatever it is. Sooner or later, you come into a tipping point when, when if you have not transformed, no one will buy your products or services, no one will invest in you, and no one would like to work for you. So this is about survival. So, so I would start that journey today. And, and start by building it into the core of your company. Find what is the sort of like the, what, what is it that holds the people together in your company? What is your purpose as a company? Make that strong and make that visible uh, for everyone and connect it to all these five stakeholders. Mm. Uh, then you have a good start. And, and I think from that, then, uh, it's all about uh, making sure that you, you get everyone on board. We, we did, for example, we, we to support one year ago, we, we conducted... Actually, I wanted from the beginning to conduct a strike uh, with all our 52,000 employees globally. But then I was told that the CEO cannot order a strike. So, so we, we had to come up with another plan. That's the first. And, and that was actually, then we, went, we closed our, our global operation uh, all around the world for at least a few hours everywhere to, to conduct a training uh, why we need to transform our company to be sustainable. Even if we've been working on this now with our purpose for four years, that was a milestone. When, when we stop everyone sort of had to sit down and, and look at their own operation how can we accelerate our transformation in in my little group and we trained all individual group the smallest common denominator there which forced us to actually pre-train them two and a half thousand teachers in in our organization 
And boy, did they become like uh, some sustainability ambassadors or what? I mean, okay. they are now a driving force. And, and, and then we managed to get the whole company with us. And that is also my second advice. Make sure that you get everyone on board uh, because this is a motivator and, and it's it's a, a thing that can sort of gather the troops and, and really rally some, some fantastic uh, energy. So that would be my second advice. Henrik, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I know Elaine's been waiting. She's been eager to get on the show. So let's bring <laughs> yeah. this Let's bring this home really quick, Henrik. It starts at the top. That's what you've yep. been saying throughout this entire 30 minutes here. Now, what is your definition of a real leader? Yeah, for me, a real leader is, is someone who, who is a good listener. Um, I usually say that. Someone who's got bigger ears than, than the mouth. So, so rather an elephant than a crocodile, if you know what I mean. Uh, so sort of that, uh, that takes on and, and, and have the ability to, to listen to all stakeholders uh, that I was into before. Of course, the customer, uh, but also the customer's customer that we into before. Think of yourself belonging to something bigger than just an industry vertical and, and like an ecosystem that like we were talking about. Um, I think that is also a good leader who, who is taking on these 360 degree goggles and, 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 and can see the world around them and not just that small sort of silo that they belong to. Mm. Uh, so so uh, a listening leader, I think, uh, and, and someone who is empowering people. Uh, I think that that is the strength in any organization. Let people feel ownership uh, for 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 their 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 sort of operation and their business or whatever it is. So uh, ownership, this 360 degrees, uh, delegate responsibility, and, and be a good listener. Amazing, Henrik. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today, my friend. Uh, very yeah. inspired by you, and I just hope others can get the same message today, and hopefully we can create some radical change in this world. Uh, so, Henrik, appreciate your time coming on the Real Ears podcast. For Henrik Henriksen, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, be a good listener, and always, folks, <laughs> keep it real. Thanks, Henrik. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. And thank you, good people, for hanging on to this episode of the Real Leaders podcast with Henrik Henriksen. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And, folks, if you didn't know by now, All of these episodes are streamed live on our new Crowdcast channel. If you want to attend that channel, you can have, well, you have two options. You can go online to realiers.com slash podcast live events and find the next one to RSVP for, or just give us a like or a follow on LinkedIn. It's just at realiers. Give us a like, give us a follow, and you will be notified of when we go live next with a real leader. It's a great opportunity, folks. Come on live, chat, be a part of the conversation and ask these leaders questions. I think I think they hung around for another 10, 15 minutes at this show answering high-level questions. So if that's you, you want to be a part of the conversation, go online to realleaders.com slash podcast or follow us on LinkedIn. Also, folks, I'll give a little plug today. How about that? Yeah, let's give him a little plug today. If you want to get your hands on that book, it's on Amazon. Just type in sustainability, colon, a Swedish approach to transforming your company, your industry, and the world. That's it for me. Thanks for being a real leader, and stay tuned for the next episode.